So this is a very, very pertinent topic for me. Uh, I'm Neil Wilkins, and I'm going to be taking you through copywriting skills. Now, the reason I say it's a very pertinent topic is because when I stopped to think about it, I realized just how long I've been writing copy in all its various guises. And I guess if you're out of school, if you're out of college, if you're in your first role, if you're a seasoned professional with decades of experience, we've all, to some extent, created copy. And so it is really part and parcel of the way that we communicate. And what I'm going to be doing as we go through this session is identify some of the, I guess, what you might term best practice currently with the whole art, if you like, of copywriting. There is a science behind it, and I'm going to explain a little bit of that as well. Um, but we're going to go into some of the, I guess, traditional forms of uh, copywriting best practice, but also explore some of the things that will be really attractive, I guess, to both um, the reader of your content and your copy, um, as well as the search engines. Because today, right here, right now, we have to be relevant to both. So we are writing for uh, effectiveness, we're writing for reach, we're writing to create awareness at the same time as writing to stimulate positive behavior in the readers of our content. So there's quite a dynamic and interesting kind of mix going on here. And that's what we're going to explore as we go through this topic of copywriting skills. So let's start with a really good quote. And I love this quote from Amy Harrison. Amy says, good copywriting is like good driving. You shouldn't notice it. Now, well, there's a starting point to something like a copywriting skills webinar where we say, actually, the less we do, the, the kind of less impact that we have, the less we kind of actually make it copy, the more effective that it is. Now, there's a certain irony there. There's a certain dichotomy here. So this is really hinting to us that less is more. And I'm a huge believer of less is more. You know, when you start the um, the conversation of copywriting skills, you know, there are many opinions, many different ways that you can start to create this stuff. And it often then becomes stuff. There's a long, lengthy narrative and people lose interest. There's a whole bunch of things going on and you lose the point of the story. Um, you can read something you think, wow, that's really super interesting but what do I do next? And there's no call to action. So there's a whole range of different things going on here. And very much the best kinds of copy, again, according to Amy, is the kind of copy that you just kind of intuitively pick up and feel, but you don't actually realize that it's been crafted as copy. So there's a real subtlety of something going on here. And I'm going to be quite contentious at the start of this conversation by saying, well, actually, it's all the same. You know, everything that we cover when we think about writing copy is the same. What we're looking at here is effective copy creation, effective creation of an artistic message, effective creation of technical and scientific information, whatever it happens to be, whether it's digital or offline, whether we're blogging, whether this is some kind of formal letter, whether we're tweeting or snapping, whether we're creating a really technical product brochure or scientific data sheet, it's all the same. And for me, having spent you know, many decades creating copy, and as I say, when I was uh, creating this webinar for you, I was thinking, actually, it has come in all forms and guises, but it's all the same. It's all really, really consistent. If I can do it in one place, 
I can do it elsewhere. If I can create effective content in one form or using one particular channel or particular media, then it's going to be effective in this channel as it is elsewhere. And it doesn't matter whether it's technical. It doesn't matter whether this is a a storytelling blog. It doesn't matter if I'm creating a case study or some short form content for social media. It's all the same. There are principles and practices and just ways of kind of feeling your way into good content and good copy that is all the same. And so what I thought what I would do here is to create um, almost like a benchmark for you that um, I would discuss and share with you some ideas and some thinking that, you know, collectively, when you listen to all the great copywriters, when you look at all the, the great tutorials, both traditionally and current, they're reporting some very, very similar themes and patterns across all of these different styles of copy. So I thought, well, I could either break it down into being, this is how you write a great formal letter, or this is how you do some short form video, video, short form content production rather, to support a video um, in social media. But then I thought it is all the same. So let's go for one flavor. Let's go for one approach, because then if we're all looking to improve the quality and get the right quantity of copy and content going forward, then we can apply this across every single form of copy or content that we create. So this is good news. And it's really good news because this is so well proven. I mean, one of the often quoted examples of really, really interesting starting points for copy goes back literally 100 years when John Cables came up with the often quoted um, examples of the different styles and forms of content in terms of effectiveness and, and what John wrote about back in the day. And this goes back to 1926, can you believe, when this was an art form, this was kind of how marketing and communications and PR was starting to become a thing. Advertising was becoming something that was, you know, potentially a very, very useful ally for brands and for products and for manufacturers. And so a lot of this stuff is is very well proven as it has taken, you know, many, many forms and many guises, but is still as true then as it is today. And so what John wrote about back in the day, back in 1926, was he said, well, look, there are three versions of a similar kind of story. And, and you can be the kind of uh, the architect of any one of these three stories. And I'm just going to give you the three quotes in just a moment. But what he said was there is one form that is so, so much more powerful than all the others. And this is kind of really how the advertising industry was born in many ways, was this kind of artistry back in the day of effective copywriting, effective hooking in, effective building of intrigue, of this kind of um, sort of intrigue of, okay, what is this person telling me? What do they want me to do? Kind of, wow, a little bit of mystery, a little bit of intrigue. And So the three examples that John shared back in the day was, okay, I could say master the piano at home in 30 days without a teacher. Think of that. Master the piano at home in 30 days without a teacher. And that's quite an impactful kind of sentence, an impactful headline, impactful title, maybe for some long form copy. But then he then thought, well, okay, there's there's more to it because it's kind of doing what it says on the tin, but it's not really driving the game forward. So what else could we say? Well, then he came up with, well, how to be the most popular guy of any party. 
And of course, this is referencing how to be able to play the piano effectively. So rather than master the piano at home in 30 days without a teacher, so, you know, you can do this, it's achievable, but it is very feature driven. He then moved on to think, well, okay, where's some benefits here? Well, okay, how to be the most popular guy of any party. So if you've learned this piano, you can then take it out into the world and wow, you can impress people. But then he started to stretch things forward. And this is where things become really interesting. And this is going to be kind of the theme of where we're going to take this today. Is His third quote was, they laughed when I sat down at the piano, but when I started to play, and the difference between that as a quote from master the piano at home in 30 days without a teacher or how to be the most popular guy of any party to they laughed when I sat down at the piano. But when I started to play, there's a whole different depth. There's a whole different kind of sense of of intrigue, of mystery, of kind of, wow, there's a story. Well, yeah, what happened when you started to play? Did they laugh and did they continue laughing or oh, no, there's something more here. And so what it does is it draws you in as the reader, because what's happening here is you are beginning to form a picture in your mind. So effective copywriting was born, effective content creation, effective advertising, effective headlines and titles to draw a reader in was born. So this industry this kind of discipline, this artistry, this art form and this science was actually born about 100 years ago in the way that we know it today. And there have been many, many forms that this has taken. One which is very well known is the one, two, three, four of copywriting. And I've taken this quote from copyblogger.com. There are a lot of resources, really effective resources online. You can do deep dives into all the stuff I'm going to be talking about in this session. Um, and if this is you know, an early stage, um, dipping your toe in the water of content or copy creation, then I really recommend you do because there's a huge range of resources out there that can really start to supercharge the content that you produce. And copyblogger.com is one of those resources I would recommend to you. But the one, two, three, four of copywriting is really quite simple. And in many ways, from back in John Cable's day, this is not really changed very much at all. So the one, two, three, four is one, what I've got for you, two, what it's going to do for you, three, who am I, and four, what you need to do next. And in many ways, if you were thinking of creating an article, a blog, a little sales piece, maybe an introduction to a webinar like this, if you were to form it in that one, two, three, four, one, what I've got for you, two, what it's going to do for you. So more than just features and benefits, outcomes, three, who am I? In other words, what gives me the right to be talking to you about this? And four, what you need to do next. So a clear call to action. Those would be the key sort of baseline ingredients, if you like, for effective copy. And if that is all you take from this session here today, you probably have got more of a structure around the creation of effective copy than you had before. Because if you aren't doing it in this way, this is a very simple habit to create. But of course, we're not going to stop here. We're going to do a deeper dive into a lot of this stuff. And I'm going to take you to some really, really hot topics that are right now supercharging the most effective content creators on the planet. But the one, two, three, four of copywriting is our baseline. This is our fundamental foundation for effective copy. What I've got for you, what it's going to do for you, who am I to be able to tell you this and what you need to do next? 
Because what we're doing here is we are creating enough of a hook to inspire action. And ultimately, that is our task here. You want somebody to do something. You want them to feel something. You want them to behave in a certain way. You want them to go somewhere. You want them to click on something. You want to inspire behavior and give them enough reasons and enough evidence and enough confidence that it's the right thing to do. And that is it, period. That is all really we're tasked with. But of course, there are some subtleties because everybody's doing the same thing. So what we're having to do alongside the one, two, three, four of effective copywriting is to cut through the noise. So where do we begin? Let's kind of begin at the beginning. So what I would suggest here is that you begin to think about your copy as a hook. OK, so you've got to hook people's interest. You know, you can look at all of the research and it's it's literally partial, you know, nanoseconds that we have as an attention span from the people we're trying to engage with. So your copy has to instantly hook. And I'll explain how you can do that in just a moment. It has to fuel interest. In other words, once you've hooked them, you've got to keep them for at least a few moments, enough to be able to get a single message through. Because generally, you're not going to have much of an opportunity to do much more than that. Yes, some people might read all the way to the end. And even short form content right now is going to be scan read. You know how you do it. And of course, your readers, your potential readers, your potential audience, your potential customers are going to be doing it in a similar way. We've also got to foster the desire and provide the accessible solution to the need that the reader has, because otherwise it's going to be just like looking at wallpaper. There's, well, if there's no reason for me to read this, why would I read it? I'm just going to scan forward and go to the next thing. So we have to foster some kind of desire in the reader that to move to the next sentence or to the next paragraph or to move to the next click is the thing to do. And of course, this has to provide in itself a very accessible, and I would probably add into this quote, timely solution to the need that they have, the reason that they're there reading your piece of copy or your piece of content. So we've got to get them, we've got to hook them in, we've got to keep them for just about long enough, and then we've got to fuel a desire on their part with their perception of the story that we're telling. So it isn't actually what we're saying, it's what they're reading, because of course they're creating this mental picture in their own mind. So we've got to have one eye or one thought on that as much as we have on the thing that we're creating. So there's a really interesting dynamic going on here. It's as much about what you're saying as it is about what they're actually hearing or reading for themselves. It's complicated. This is not easy stuff. You cannot assume that because you've written something, because you've created something that you're super proud of, that your target audience is going to get it. Because, of course, they have to translate it into a world that they understand. And particularly if it is a technical document or something that they haven't seen before, that could be quite a process for them. So we've got to begin with a plan. We've got to start to begin the understanding that this is not a, a thing that you can just pick up your pen or you can just start with your keyboard in front of you, start to produce something. We've got to begin with planning and whatever the medium, 
Okay, this is talking about short form as well as very long form. And if you're going to write a book, which, of course, is the ultimate kind of length, if you like, of content or copywriting, then what we need to do is make sure we've planned it out. So I've got a checklist, and this is what I use when I'm doing some serious content or some serious copy. Now, I have to admit, and probably like you, I'm not going to be doing this every single day. I'm not going to be doing a perfect plan. Sometimes you just got to get it out there. You've just got to be putting the content out there. And when you've done it enough times, you probably have enough confidence to think, yeah, it's kind of there or thereabouts. But if I was writing on behalf of a client or if I was producing a big ticket item for a big event that I'm hosting or, you know, some big, big ticket um, podcast or uh, webinar that I'm going to be hosting or producing, then I would properly plan it out. And this would be the way that I would do it. And this follows a, a well-proven path. I can't take claim that uh, this is all my work, but this is something that I've found over the years kind of works well. So number one is to create an emotional reaction. What is it I want my audience or my reader to feel? So it's not about what, what do I want them to think or what do I want them to do? I want them to feel something as a result of this, an emotional reaction. And that can be a simple phrase or a simple kind of description of how I want them to be reacting. And it doesn't have to be positive. I might want them to feel a little bit on edge. I might want them, and this is a really popular one right now, FOMO, fear of missing out, I might want to create an emotion in them that, of course, I am going to solve for them later. But I might want the initial reaction to be, oh, well, I didn't realize that. Or, oh, I don't really know too much about that. Because that could be something that then hooks them in. So the emotional reaction is a really important starting point. And this means that we've got to think about this properly. This does mean we've got to invest some time and energy. Because if this is the first point of our planning, well, we haven't even started to think about what content we're going to produce. So it's important that you devote the time and the energy to the stuff that really matters. And that's what I'm saying. You're not necessarily going to do this with every piece of content or copy, but where it matters, make it matter. So number two is think about your priority audience persona. You are not writing for everybody. It's much like marketing and it's much like selling. You cannot sell to everybody. Anybody who tells you that their product or service is available and applicable to everyone, they don't get it. OK, I can promise you that. And if you've been in marketing for some time, you'll know that to be true. Not everybody is going to think in the same way about what you're offering. And the same is true for copy and content. So think about your audience and break them down into being a real persona. Who is this person? See them in your mind's eye, much as if you were writing a piece of content to them that, you know, your life depended on it. You've got to get this message through. And somebody over there is going to view things very differently to somebody over there. So think about the audience. Think about them as a persona, not just as a demographic or as just a description of a bland, vague, generic customer. Think about them as a human being, a real individual. And also think about where in their journey of interaction with you, you're going to be putting this writing. And it's really important to think about this persona or this customer journey and where this piece of copy or content's going, because it's a very different story that you're going to be telling if it's at the awareness phase. In other words, this is the first time they've ever heard of you. You're going to create some stuff here that's very different to if this is a long-standing relationship and you're just keeping in touch with them. You're drip feeding something and that would be called the retention phase. You're retaining the 
relationship with them. So just think about where in the journey you're writing for. That's really important. Next thing I would pick out of the uh, of the list would be to work with your USP. What is it that makes you different? Remember, I said a little bit earlier that you're having to hook them in. You're having to provide that credibility. This is the who am I listening to? Who am I reading? And so you're not necessarily going to put your full biography or your full profile. And of course, if you're writing on behalf of a brand or on behalf of a client, you're not putting the whole description in there, but you've got to give them enough of a feeling that they know, oh, okay, this is this is who, who's writing to me. This is who I'm reading about. This is kind of, you know, the, uh, the people or the brand or the team behind the story. So give them enough. And of course, that is your USP. It is the people. It is the story. It is the thing that is going to be this core hook. But that is only part of it. Remember, I said a few moments ago that it is partly about them and it's partly about you. Well, the thing that's about you is what is their outcome? So forget forever the whole features and benefits. That thing is long gone. If anybody starts telling you that, oh, we must promote or we must tell the story of our features and benefits of our amazing service or amazing product, they are working yesterday. We're working today. And the only thing that the customer is interested in, and I really guarantee this to you, the only thing they're interested in is what's in it for them. Okay. So what is their outcome from the product, the service, the story, the USP, the journey, the communication, the relationship? That you're writing about what is their outcome what's in it for them because we are becoming as a human species we are becoming ever more selfish we're more focused on what's in it for us not in a, a bad way necessarily but in a kind of self-preservation way in lots of cases and so your messages need to focus on the outcome in other words how is the reader's world going to be different as a result of reading and carrying on reading the copy you're, you're producing now, of course, to really tune in with that, really dial in, you can reuse what your customers are telling you. So if you know your audience really, really intimately, you know the persona you're targeting, do you have anecdotal quotes? Do you have feedback? Have you got kind of testimonials? Have you got stuff that they've written and fed back to you? These personas that really are the same people, could you replay some of that stuff in terms of tone of voice, in terms of style, in terms of actual quotes because if somebody actually hears and sees something they think oh that sounds like i would have written that that sounds just like me then there's a chance that you've got them hooked in and when you're doing that i would always say another little tip here is to talk without talking about your products and services those are the last things people want to hear about they want to hear their outcome they want to hear the value you're going to bring they want to hear about the relationship they want to hear about that kind of interaction with you and then you can just maybe top it up at the end with and if you want some of this click this button and we can engage. Click this button and you can get this service. It's almost at the end of the copy, the end of the content, sealing the deal. So even if you're being tasked with promote this product, promote this service, we're launching this today. It's not about the product or the service. It's about the outcome. It's about the USP. It's about the journey. It's about the conversation. And everything in the planning of your copy, whatever the medium, needs to guide towards what we call the call to action. Because your content is no good if it doesn't stimulate behavior. OK, remember that everything you produce needs to stimulate some kind of 
reaction, some kind of action, some kind of emotion, or some kind of behavior. Otherwise, you've missed a trick. Otherwise, all you've done is you've probably got a like, or you've probably got a share. What you really want is an engagement, okay, to use the social media analogy. That's what we're after here. So do not bask in the vanity metrics of, hey, everybody read this and look how good this was. Look, I got a thousand people liking this particular article or this thing I put onto LinkedIn. Wow, aren't I a great copywriter? Well, you're only a great copywriter based on the number of people who actually took the action that you wanted in your plan. OK, so let's get real here for a minute. Let's get commercial. It is about the return on the investment of your time and energy in the content. It isn't about the likes. That's not what this is about. Let's take the ego out of this and let's do this properly. Now, I'm not saying I'm perfect at this. I did caveat this little checklist at the beginning when I was saying about the planning that I don't do this every time. So sometimes, yes, I do chase the vanity metric and I feel good because a number of people have liked my post or have liked my article or my blog. I'm human. We all do it. OK, so I'm not saying I'm not, you know, saying this is absolutely perfect and completely professional every time. No, we're all human. But for the vast majority of times you do this, if you can, it's really, really good to follow this kind of egoless and very kind of practical way of creating the plan for your content. So where does this then take us to? So we've got our plan. We've got our kind of essence, really, of what we're going to create. So first of all, then we need to think about our headline. Now, really interestingly, one of the, the grandfathers, if you like, of, uh, of advertising back in the day, David Ogilvy, you've only got to read Ogilvy and Capel's, their, their book, which is kind of a real kind of mantra, if you like, for how to write copy and content within advertising, but it applies everywhere else too. They said five times as many people read the headline as read the body copy. When you've written your headline, you've spent 80 cents out of your dollar. So that is a big, big claim and a big, big message for all of us who take the assumption that once people have, you know, been exposed to our content, they're going to read the whole thing. Of course they are, because it's an amazing article or an amazing post. Hmm. Five times as many people read the headline as read the body copy. So you are very unlikely to get anybody reading your article, okay, reading your blog. This is fact. And particularly if you're trying to showcase it through social media, you'll know the chaos of your timeline. You'll know that even getting the awareness, let alone the reach, let alone the eyeballs onto your article is very, very hard to do. So the headline is absolutely critical. And the same you can read across to the start of the formal letter or to the email that you're about to send to the team. This is the same in every type of copy, the, every type of medium. OK, the title line or the headline is absolutely critical. So how can we do this? Well, let's balance the four U's. OK, so urgent, unique, useful and ultra specific. It's quite simple. We don't do this, though, do we? We use all the flowery language. We kind of create a, a clever little strap line or a little snappy, punchy kind of tagline when actually all we need is to be urgent, unique, useful and ultra specific. And I'll give you a few little examples of that in a moment. This is not rocket science. It's very, very simple. But because we're writing and creating so much content day in, day out in all these various forms, we lose sight of the basic principles. So let's keep it urgent, unique, useful and ultra specific. 
keep the headlines straight, simple, and to the point. Let the facts speak for you. Okay. Um, Sharice Jacob talks about putting the reader in control, making it personal and accessible, using what we call feature pillars and asking questions that make the reader think. This is really, really great practice. Just think of some of these things for a moment. You know, if it does what it says on the tin, but you can actually make it personable, make it accessible, give the reader something to kind of play with, something to own. And there's an interesting thing. Could this be something that really, really identifies with their psyche? Could this be something that, wow, gosh, thanks for that, Neil. I, would, I wouldn't have expected that. That kind of an essence of the headline that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about, you know, non-flowery language. We're talking about not any kind of narrative, but we're also talking about these. And this was an interesting comment, actually, these feature pillars drip feeding in wherever you can in the headline or this kind of introduction to what you're going to be talking about. Some of the feature pillars, so in other words, some of the themes that you're going to be covering in the content. And this is where the headline is able to then bleed into the early stages of what we might term the subject copy. Now, if you've got preview set on your email inbox, so you see the title line, and a lot of us do this, don't we? Because we're kind of, you know, we're not necessarily hooked in by the title line, but we might just want to see, just in case it's important, and this is the philosophy and the science behind this, we, we have the first line of the preview of what is this email about? So it's kind of, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of see the headline, but we don't really believe that. So we just want to see that first line. And this is what Sharice is talking about here. It's starting to introduce the, the blend between the headline or the title and the body content. And so what is our one takeaway from this moment? Well, it is that the message about what this copy or content's about has to come at the beginning. Now, I used to fall foul of this when I was you know, brand new to copy and content writing. I used to think, I'm going to tell them a big, long story, and then I'm going to give them the, the punchy sales message right at the end by the time they've understood everything I want to say. That is fundamentally wrong. Let's turn that on its head. If you want somebody to learn something, understand something, or get what it is you're going to tell them, you tell them at the start. OK, it's as simple as that. Yeah, you might want to reinforce it at the end. And I'll talk about the ending of copy and content in a moment. But if you want somebody to get something and this is becoming ever more important because of our lack of attention spans, because of immediacy and that kind of selfish me, 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 you know, got to serve me with my outcomes. This is becoming ever, ever more emphasized. So if you want to get a point across, you get it across within the first second or the first few seconds of your headline, your title, the subject line, and or that first sentence that you're covering this content with. It's way too late if you leave it to the middle and even worse if you leave it to the end, because 99% of people have gone, long gone beyond that. So now you've got, you've got your plan, you've got your headline, you've got your title, basically saying what it is that you want them to do or what you want them to get or the outcome. And now we're going to get started with the detail. Now, one of my favorite places to basically learn how to write effective copy that balances both, particularly digital copy here we're talking about, because obviously a lot of us are creating digital copy, balancing the 
the needs of the reader with the needs of the search engine. So I often go to yoast.com, Y-O-A-S-T.com as my kind of go-to because Yoast have got a lot of tutorials, a lot of articles and some really great little things. If you've got a WordPress site, then you can add the Yoast widget in there for free. There's a premium version, but you can get the free version and it will guide you in terms of your writing. It'll encourage you not to write passively, but to write actively. It will encourage you with the um, both short and long form um, versions of it. It will encourage you to write for the search engine as well as the reader. And they will guide you along five key principles. Okay, so these are the key principles. They will say, what problem is this copy solving? Because they can identify the algorithms working alongside you so that your reader gets to understand what the algorithms are going to be critiquing. So it will put your copy and your content in the eyeballs of or in front of the eyeballs of the kind of readers that your copy is solving the problems for. So you've got to start by thinking, what problem am I solving here? So it is about the outcome. It is about how the world is going to be different for your target audience. But it's also, yeah, but what problem am I solving for them? Yoast also says, do not use long sentences, short sentences, punchy, to the point, in your face, very clear, almost to the point of bullet pointing is the way to write copy. Okay, now this is an interesting one, because for a lot of us, particularly if we are storytellers, particularly if we are narrators, we want to use kind of, you know, joining sentences, we want to be, you know, telling a story, using short sentences doesn't necessarily fit. But remember, this is all about the audience, not about us. So it may well be we need to learn some new skills. Find words that create a clear picture in your readers' minds. Remember, I said this is not about what you're creating. It's about how it's being perceived and translated on the other side. So in many ways, they would say in the next point, point five for them is mind map your topic. So actually get all the ideas out and see if you can find links where you can help the reader to create a clear picture. So grouping together topics and facts and parts of the story that are kind of similar. And so that you can start to take your reader on maybe a little bit of a journey. And that's an interesting one. And they also say, don't hesitate to start. And actually, at this point in, in our little conversation here about copywriting skills, this is probably a really key point, because what I might have done by this point is actually make you think, oh, I can't do any of this. You know, this is just too much to think about. I thought you were just going to tell me how to do it, not the things I need to do to prepare. We haven't even got started with the copy yet. And this is one of the big dangers. Procrastination is not the friend of the copywriter. And if you'll know this, if you've been doing this for many years, you will get what we call writer's block. You'll get those moments where you just don't feel you can start. The great copywriters just start because they know that there's an editing process that comes a little bit later. I'm going to talk to you about that. And they know that even if the copy and the content they're producing is really, really poor, I mean, really, really poor, there might be some little golden nuggets in the, that really, really poor content that they can edit through. And then maybe they can add to it later. So do not hesitate to start. Okay, that's one of the key things that Yoast says time and time again. And these are fundamental principles of getting and building the momentum. And then back to our friend David Ogilvy, and he will then say, well, OK, if you've created your mind map, you need to, and I quote, stuff your conscious mind with information. Now, lots of the time when we're creating good copy, 
And particularly when we're trying to create great copy, so we're trying to create maybe a thought leadership piece or we're trying to influence um, our team or we're trying to you know, write a more formal piece that is a pitch for um, you know, a piece of budget or maybe we're trying to convince in a proposal that a particular you know, prospect or client might want to work with us. We are going to need to do our research. So David Ogilvie says, stuff your conscious mind with information. I mean, if you've created a plan that I talked about, if you've created the mind map to give you the structure of what you're going to do, what we're saying here is research and understand your topic before you begin creation. Because, and this is the really helpful thing, if procrastination is beginning to set in or if lack of confidence of, well, I can't write on this topic, I don't know enough about it, is starting to enter your mind, then think about the word curation rather than just the word creation. Some of the very, very best content out there right now is partially or even sometimes fully curated. In other words, it isn't actually originally yours. Some of the quotes that I'm using here in this conversation here in this session are curated. They're not my quotes. That last quote I just said is David Ogilvie. It's not my quote. So I'm curating content here to help the storytelling, to help you understand some of these building blocks. And some content curation can be a lovely link between the sections of the content, particularly if it's long, long form. So you're doing a blog thought leadership piece on a particular topic and you're super proud of some of it. But some of the areas you're thinking, yeah, I want to get this little piece in. This paragraph needs to be in there, but it's a bit disjointed then maybe that's the point where you can curate. In other words, see if you can find a quote or an article, or maybe you review something that somebody else has, has produced on the similar kind of topic, and you add it in there as a little block quote or as something that just kind of joins and helps you with the flow. And then once you're flowing, you'll see the value of curation alongside creation. And it is a lovely blend because, yes, we do want to hear your story. Yes, we do want to hear the value that you provide. But if you can, and particularly if you're looking for thought leadership to kind of elevate your brand or your personal profile, if what you're trying to do is to position yourself alongside other specialists, then content curation can really position you very, very easily and quickly under your control alongside those specialists in the mind's of the reader. You're not saying it's your quote. You're not saying you've come up with this clever stuff. You're just reviewing what somebody else has done before. So creation, copywriting could also be copy curation. So always have that one in your back pocket, just as a kind of, yeah, going to get me through that little hurdle or get me past that bottleneck or even get me started. So now we can start to think about, OK, let's get a bit creative then. So what are some of the things we can think about when we're sort of starting to you know, produce the content? We've got our plan, we've got a great headline, super, super simple. We've got people hooked in. We know the first kind of storyline that we're going to tell in our first um, first sentence. So we're going to get that key message in there first. And now we're going to start to get a little bit creative. So there's some best practice here. Don't exaggerate. Be honest. OK, I'm hoping that you're picking that up from this session here, that I'm just not exaggerating my capabilities as a copywriter. I'm just kind of sharing how I do it and how I've seen others do it and some of the best practice out there, which I'm curating. So I'm being honest with you. Hopefully you're picking that up. Be active, not passive. So just as an example, you would say we helped 100 clients 
rather than 100 clients have been helped by us. That's the difference between active and passive. Passive voice is both tedious, it's quite defensive, it's very, very humble. It doesn't sell the value that you're bringing to the reader. And passive voices get unread. They get lost in the noise. If you want to be positive, if you want to be creative, go for the active voice. So we helped 100 clients rather than 100 clients have been helped by us. For some of us, if we're not super confident on a particular topic or in a particular medium, it might take a little bit of time or we might need to do that in the edit. And that's fine. But just remember that active voice is applicable to every single brand. And you can align that with the kind of tone of voice and the style of your brand very effectively without losing. Maybe if you're a sort of a, a softer kind of brand style, you don't need to lose that by going active. Okay. Active is just positive and engaging. Passive is the opposite. Find the tension. Okay, now this is an interesting phrase, finding the tension. So the tension is, and then the obvious example that I often use, and I used it a little bit earlier, which is FOMO, fear of missing out. Find the tension. And often fear of missing out on, I need to find out more about this. You've whetted my appetite. Mm, this is interesting. I don't really understand everything you've said, but I want to know more. Now I'm curious. Now you've drawn me in. That's the kind of tension we're talking about here. And you don't have to do it every time, but do it when it's appropriate. And the final thing I would say here, and I try and do this and I've tried to do this for, for years and years, is writing how you talk. Because if you can practice that and develop a real habit of writing how you talk in the same kind of tone of voice, almost you become, you become the content itself. You become the copy. And I do know people, I do have examples of people that I know who are copywriters and content writers who actually don't put finger to keyboard. They don't put pen to paper. They narrate, they tell a story and they use any kind of dictation software. Many, many are out there to actually see the words that they've written and then they edit from that. And that could be, again, if it fits the kind of copy and the kind of content style that you're looking for, that could be a great starting point to build that habit. But over time, if you can begin to write how you talk and build that habit, that becomes super powerful. And actually what it does, it brings a real consistency, as I've said, across all the different media, all the different channels and styles of writing that you need to do. So I would say for me, I find that quite a natural one. For a lot of people, that isn't necessarily falling into the way they're programmed. I mean, I'm not a great technical writer, but I would say I do write how I talk and how I think. But it did probably come with a bit of practice. And I think, you know, if that doesn't naturally kind of resonate with you, maybe that's something you want to have a little play with. But use dictation software to see how that feels, see how it resonates with you. So we've got creative, we've got our headline, we've got our plan, we're, we're kind of taking them somewhere. And where is it we're taking them? We're taking them to the point of impact. Okay, so this is where we want to maximize impact. Um, and this is curated. Okay, so I curated this list of things. This is just a checklist of things to make sure you do. And this is from problogger.com. Okay, they do a lot of great tutorials, a lot of great thinking around these topics. And this was something I thought I just wanted to share with you. I thought I could come up with the list myself, but problogger.com have got there first. And I thought this is just as good as it gets. So number one, make your content scannable. 
I'm going to show you some visuals in a moment of kind of how to do that. But make your content easy to scan. People don't want a wall of words. Put your key point up front. We've already said that. First sentence, you've got to get that message in there because we don't have the time or inclination to read deeper in if we don't get it from the outset. They also say posts with bullet points receive more backlinks. Now, that's interesting because there was um, bullet points, you know, went out of favor when PowerPoint, the style of doing, you know, death by PowerPoint became a phrase and people didn't want to see bullet points. But actually, you know, carefully put into some nice narrative in the right kind of style and font, you know, maybe using bold capitals and italics to kind of paraphrase some of the key points there. Those can be very effective. And the algorithms of the search engines pick this up, too. So you're going to kind of get a win-win. So don't just think that copy and content writing has to be narrative long form. You can intersperse it with bullet points very effectively, both for social media, for um, sort of digital, for websites, et cetera, for your emails that you're going to be putting out, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Subheadings draw readers deeper into the article. We've covered that one, but that it really, really does work. And often because that's part of the preview setting that they have at their end, either on their web browser or in their email software. Remember block quotes. I just mentioned those a little bit um, earlier when I talked about curation. Again, it's just making this content very easy to consume. Block quotes, and you've all seen them. You know, you look at some of these tutorials online or you look at these um, articles that say, you know, 10 best ways to do X. You often see interspersed amongst the 10 best ways of doing it, block quotes that just keep you flowing through the, con uh, through the content. Very, very powerful way of positioning your content visually. And using carefully positioned space to draw the reader's eyes to the next point. Stick to one key point and keep reiterating it. Again, really, really important. There needs to be what I call a thread through the content, a thread through the journey. And it is a journey. So much as we were positioning our copy or our content in the broader customer journey, what we're also doing here is actually thinking, Am I actually taking the reader on a journey? And can I keep them just constantly, just gently and gradually refueled by this key point? Because I have to carefully position that point throughout, not necessarily just copy and paste, but positioning it through so that it kind of builds as they go deeper into the article, short and long form applies, as they go deeper into it. Am I kind of keeping them on track? Am I getting them to this ultimate place that I'm trying to get them to? And this bit is really, really important. And it's the call to action. I'm going to come on to that in just a second. But it is about editing. So if you think about when you've created this creative content, you look at the article headline, you look at that first, first sentence, does that do what it's targeting to do? In other words, draw the reader in enough to get them onto the journey. And then once you start to um, edit, and of course, you can't just press the publish button. There's this time that you have to spend, this quality time with the copy or content that you've just produced. The next bit is the editing. Remember editing. Some lovely examples. Go, go and head over to marketingexamples.com and put copy editing into the search because they've got some amazing article um, articles in there and some really great, cool examples. One from Trello that I really picked out, which was the original content was Trello lets you work more collaboratively and get more done. And that was edited down to work collaboratively, get more done. 
Trello branded. It just does what it says on the tin and they reduce by 50% the copy to make the headline more powerful. So I'm going to task you with the next time you produce any kind of copy or content, be it an email to your boss, you know, an article, a case study, something for your website, a post on social, a blog, for example, I'm going to task you with, could you reduce it in the editing process down by 50%? Because I will argue that will make it more punchy, more scannable, more readable, more consumable than it was before. Now, you've obviously don't want to take it down too low that you lose the message. And that's the balance you need to play with. But of course, if you're actively listening and watching how all of your content performs, then you're going to be in a place that will give you that answer. The next thing that they were sort of saying was, again, remove as many words as you can because everyone scans. So keep it light and suck them in. That was the, uh, the phrase that they used. And again, it's just about avoiding this wall of words. The worst thing you can see, the most, the biggest turnoff of all is a wall of words. But keeping people kind of on this, this dance with you, this kind of gentle, gradual movement through your copy and your content is as much a visual experience as it is actually reading the words so again there's subtleties in here there's psychology happening there's little subtle nuances that can be the make or break of what otherwise would be great content and so when we're thinking of that again the positioning of imagery the positioning of video clips the positioning of animation of background color of font of style get to play with it that's all part of this mix and there was another lovely little example that um, they used in terms of cutting content back, but also re-spinning it. Um, it was the Apple iPod example, which I'm sure lots of you kind of have seen this one in the past, which was originally Apple positioned it as the world's first portable digital media player. Huh? What does that mean? I don't even know what that might be. We had Sony Walkman back in the day, but isn't that one of those things? Uh, yeah, but that wasn't really truly digital or was it or wasn't it? Where does that kind of a headline take you? Just into confusion and questioning. Whereas the alternate answer was 1,000 songs in your pocket. 1,000 songs in your pocket. I mean, what a genius headline. Now I'm intrigued. How? Now I'm intrigued. Hmm, that looks an interesting thing. Tell me more. So formatting really, really really works. And again, this is where you can play with curation, because if you can't figure it out, go and see if you can find best practice from elsewhere. Maybe curate something or rework somebody's headline from another sector. You don't want to probably be going down the way that your competitors are going, but play with it. There's some really, really great examples in there. But remember, everyone cares what you can do for them. So using, and this is a real mantra that you really need to get into as long, alongside the whole thing about planning, alongside the whole thing about editing down, alongside the whole thing about you know, the narration and storytelling, is that use you, not we. So if it's your product launch, it's not your product launch. It's your target reader's product launch with you. If you're looking to get somebody along to a webinar, it's not your webinar you want them to come along. It's their webinar that you happen to be hosting. So remove when you're doing your editing the word we from everything. Nobody cares about you. 
They care about themselves. So start to talk to them as though you are them, as though you're talking their language. And suddenly you will see more effective production in your copy. Now to this point, and we're deep in, we're going to be rounding off now. But at this point, you may well be thinking, Neil, that all sounds great. I've taken a few notes. In fact, there's some really good stuff I'd love to try, but I am too busy for this. I haven't got the time. Well, I've got a little, little thing for you to play with here. When you don't have the time, and I'd love it for you to learn this stuff. I'd love it for you to kind of really enjoy content creation because it is a most wonderful way of expressing ourselves as a communicator, as a marketer, as a business professional. But there are times when we don't have time. There are times when we're super busy doing other stuff, but we need to get the copy out there. And the nice thing is that AI robots are now here to help us along. You can automate this stuff. Now, I don't suggest that you do this every time. And I do suggest that you just have a little play and see what comes out because it might not quite yet fit what you need. But go along to something like simplified.com slash AI dash writer simplified.com slash AI dot dash writer, AI dash writer, because there's some long form and short form content creation produced by robots. You put in some clues, you put in who you're trying to target, you put in maybe a few ideas of copy, and then the article gets written for you. They've thought of everything. This is only going to improve over time. So this, these are still the early days of automated content production. And as I say, we should really be getting in touch with this ourselves first. It isn't something I would say begin with. Learn the ropes, learn the art first. But if everything gets a bit too tough, then I would say, yeah, kind of, yeah, just go there if you need to once in a while, but have a play. And finally, when we want to get the call to action. That was the thing I said, all of our copy and content is driving towards. When we want to get to the end point, the drum roll please for the ironic example here at the end of this webinar is adding a PS. PS stands for postscript. This was something that when we used to write handwritten letters with a pen and paper and put them in the post to send to somebody and it would arrive a day or two later. When we used to do that, we used to often add a PS, postscript, after our signature. And basically, that is the little point that we actually want to add on at the end, quite subtly, but actually we really want people to take note of. It is one of the most powerful ways to create direct mail and email interaction, engagement, and to actually stimulate behavior. It's the reason why the last time you saw some DM campaigns, you saw PS after the person's name who was sending it to you. It's because it still works. It is one of the most important but underused elements, if you like, in persuasive copywriting. And that's not me saying that. That's cuttingedgepr.com and a lot of other commentators on this topic. So, as much as starting with your headline right at the beginning, I'd say also finish with the headline in a PS, the postscript, the final little thing that you want the person to do. If they've gone as far as this in the engagement with you, they've read to the end. What is it you want me to do next? Oh, OK, it's that. So put your call to action right at the end as much as you put it at the front. Finish it off, too, because if they've 
been willing to come this far with you, they're very, very likely to go to the next step in their journey. And let's face it, that was what you were trying to do with your copy and content writing. You were trying to get them to the next step in the journey. It isn't the be all and end all. It isn't the end game. It is just the next stage of engagement with your target audience. So my four top tips as we round off this hour together is keep a copy pot of examples you love, things that potentially you can curate from when you need them, but also great examples like I did there with the um, Apple iPod example, with some of the other stuff I've shared with you, some of those quotes, just a copy pot of examples you love. If you've got those to hand, you know where to find them. There's always somewhere you can go if you need it. Actively watch and listen to responses. Learn continuously what works and what doesn't as you go all the way through your content journey. You know, if you're not listening to the responses and the engagement that comes, how are you going to know how to improve it better next time? And every single time you write needs to be and could be better than the time before. Ask questions that help the reader say yes. That's a lovely quote from Right End. Ask questions that help the reader say yes. It needs to be a positive experience. There's too much negativity in the world. There's too much negativity in social. We've got a chance as copy and content writers to keep it positive, to keep it moving forward, to keep people engaged, to continue to add great value. So ask questions that help the reader say yes, to make them feel like they're part of a conversation. And the final point is always lead with your strongest point. So my strong point that I started off at the beginning of this content um, with was just, just make a go, just get started. And with hopefully some of these tips, some of these ideas, you're going to be able to take your first steps. But it is about getting started, continuously learning on every step of the journey, and just listening and watching of how people respond to your content. And remember, all of these tips, everything that we've talked about here through this last hour, you can apply in every style of content you produce, every medium and every moment of the day. So learn these habits and they are with you for a lifetime. They've certainly served me really well in the content I've produced and I've loved every moment of doing it. I'm going to be doing more. So hopefully you'll find as much fun as I've had so far in my journey with content and copywriting. Thank you so much for lasting out with me to this point. I wish you every success in your content and copywriting and have a great day from here onwards.